Well, I don't know why. Ask how. Howard the Humongous. Let's find the button. That should be it. Come on. That's the button, isn't it? Yes. I have a problem. The Democratic Party, my party, has just won a huge victory in the midterm election of 2018. Donald Trump beat us in the Senate, where he added roughly three seats, but we beat him in the House, where we added as many as 39 seats and gained the majority, the biggest victory since 1974. So what's my problem? Nationwide, 55 Muslims won office, from city school boards to Congress, Muslims who are affiliated with the Democratic Party, my party. Now, what's so bad about that? I'm Jewish and a Zionist. Yes, I'm an atheist, but I'm a member of the Jewish people. Hitler would have tossed me in the ovens. And the Democratic Party, my party, has been moving closer and closer to the sort of genocidal anti-Semitism that led to the extermination of six million Jews in Europe from 1933 to 1945. Yes, the liberal left, my political tribe, is covering for genocidal anti-Semitism. It is covering for racism. Sounds like an extreme statement, right? But it's not. It's a deep and carefully hidden truth. As you know, groups have badges of identity, mandatory positions that are not up for discussion. Ever since Donald Trump's Muslim ban in 2017, standing up for Muslims has been one of those badges of identity in the Democratic Party. If you say you are fighting for Muslim rights and against Islamophobia, you are one of us. Criticize Islam, and you are an enemy. You are one of them. Which means that you are tossed outside the tribe and labeled evil. But what's wrong with standing up for the rights of Muslims? Being for Muslims is standing up for civil rights, isn't it? Well, not exactly. Standing up for Islam is standing up for genocidal anti-Semitism. It is standing up for mass murder. Let's get back to that in a minute and look at the fruits delivered by this obligatory pro-Muslim stance. We Democrats are making sure that Muslims get key jobs in whatever organization we touch. From the PBS NewsHour, where Amna Nawaz is being groomed to take over the anchor chair, from Judy Woodruff, Woodruff to MSNBC, where Ali Belshi dominates the 3 to 4 p.m. time slot. And our liberal need to show we are pro-Muslim has shown itself in the realm of politics. As I said, the Council for American Islamic Relations reports that in the recent midterm elections, 55 Muslims have been elected nationwide, elected to everything from state attorney general to Congress. One of the Muslim women elected to Congress celebrated her election by dancing at her victory party wrapped in a Palestinian flag. Again, what's wrong with that? All peoples have a right to self-determination, don't they? Well, not quite. The Palestinian people's peoplehood was manufactured in the spring and summer of 1964. It was pieced together to be used by the Islamic Ummah, the global people of Islam, as a weapon to accomplish what five Muslim armies had not been able to achieve when they attacked Israel with tanks and heavy artillery in 1948. The extermination of the Palestinian people was designed to achieve the extermination of Israel and its Jews. As the saying went back then, the Muslim goal was to drive the Jews into the sea. 
The leader of these former subjects of the Turkish Empire, these people who had never had a peoplehood, an identity, a collective identity before, was Yasser Arafat. And Yasser Arafat modeled himself on an Arab role model, a man he called uncle, the Mufti of Jerusalem, a man who Arafat came to adore and emulate, a man who was called the Führer of the Muslim world. Yes, the Führer, as in Hitler, of the Muslim world. Why? The Mufti of Jerusalem had gone to Germany during Hitler's reign, had stayed in Berlin at Hitler's expense for four years in a luxury apartment, and had been given a $10,000 a week entertainment allowance by Adolf Hitler. Why? The Mufti had found common ground with Hitler in their desire to exterminate the Jews, and had, according to one story, spotted a concentration camp of Jewish children, and had asked Hitler why these kids were still alive. As a gesture of goodwill, the story says, Hitler had these children murdered. How wonderful. Hitler hoped the Mufti could bring all of the Muslim Middle East over to the Nazi cause, and Hitler's gamble on the Mufti worked. Most of the rulers, or at least many of them, of the Middle East became Hitler's allies, and the Mufti helped recruit 28,000 people to the SS, the group that was required, required or given the responsibility of murdering, of murdering Jews. So the Mufti was Yasser Arafat's role model when he pieced together the Palestinian Liberation Organization. In other words, from the get-go, the Palestinian identity was based on racism, racism toward Jews, and a hunger for mass murder, a hunger for genocide. But there's something much deeper than the Palestinian problem at work in the Democratic Party. Islam is based on faithfully following in Muhammad's footsteps. Muhammad established his empire by attacking four Jewish tribes, the Banu Kanaika, the Banu Nadir, the Banu Qurayza, and the Jews of the town of Khyber. Muhammad performed an ethnic cleansing on two of these tribes. He expelled the Jews and stole, expropriated their land, their orchards, their harvests, and their buildings. But with one tribe, Muhammad had every male old enough to have pubic hair beheaded. That's between 700 and 900 men. And Muhammad sat in the market square from dawn until dusk, where these murderers were taking place in front of him, supervising the sawing off of each living man's head. With another community of Jews, Muhammad tortured and killed the men and took the women as sex slaves. Every Muslim child is taught these racist and genocidal stories, not as fairy tales, but as guides to living a good life. No wonder the holy books of Islam, the Hadith, proclaim that the Day of Judgment will not take place until the Muslims fight the Jews and the Muslims kill them. And every tree will stand up and say, O Muslim, servant of God, there is a Jew behind me, kill him. Muhammad Haikal was a former high-level Egyptian politician and mainstream newspaper editor in the mid-20th century. He put it like this, Muhammad understood that there could be no peace with the Jews as long as they were not thoroughly destroyed. Yes, those were the words of a westernized, mainstream, Muslim newspaper editor in Egypt. Today, a lot of anti-Semitism is cloaked as a bid for Palestinian rights. Surely we all deserve rights, don't we? But there are three major groups with which the Palestinians rule themselves. That's the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, and Islamic Jihad. And their goal is not rights. In fact, these groups oppose the very idea of what we call human rights. 
They do not give rights to the people they rule. And they want you and me to be what they call slaves, slaves of Allah. They want us to throw away the pagan and demonic concept of human rights and submit to the only code of laws ever handed to humanity by God himself, Sharia. And they want a Jewish extermination like the extermination of the Jewish tribes celebrated by Muhammad. This is what underlies the Nation of Islam's leader, Louis Farrakhan's claim that Jews are like termites, and Farrakhan's declaration that, quote, satanic Jews have infected the whole world with poison and deceit, close quote. Farrakhan, the head of the Nation of Islam, is drawing from the genocidal hatred of Jews in mainstream Islam. What's more, backed by billions from the Saudis, the Libyans, and from Islam's other 55 nations, there has been a diligent effort to take over American public opinion. In the 1970s and 1980s, the members of the Organization for Islamic Cooperation used their oil money to endow chairs at universities like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. In other words, Muslim nations, many of which hate the USA, took over Middle East studies departments and turned them into anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, and sometimes anti-American tools for propaganda. Groups like the Muslim Student Association, whose graduates, whose officers went on to be terrorists in the Middle East, and Students for Justice for Palestine, went further. They worked to seize the hearts and minds of college and grad school students. Other pro-Palestinian groups used their liberal amounts of cash to fly potential leaders like the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement to the Palestinian territories and to fill their heads with the idea of Israel as an apartheid and murderous, imperialist, and illegitimate state. These are false ideas. Israel gives more rights to its Muslim citizens than Muslims have in most of their 57 nations. And the greatest imperialist, imperialist enterprise in the history of the world has been Islam. Meanwhile, backed by Saudi and Libyan money, Louis Farrakhan has worked for close to half a century to recruit African Americans in prisons to the nation of Islam and has laid a base of potential violent insurgents in America's African American community. And the members of the Congressional Black Caucus have a nasty habit of visiting Louis Farrakhan for dinners and hunkering down with him for meetings. What is the goal of this massive and so far very successful effort? For the moment, as the 14th century Muslim scholar Abu Darda said, quote, let us smile to the face of some people while our hearts curse them, close quote. Ibn Khaldun, another 14th century amazing scholar who laid the base for sociology, went further, quote, in the Muslim community, he said, holy war, jihad, is a religious duty because of the universalism of the Muslim mission and the obligation to convert everybody to Islam either by persuasion or by force. The other religious groups did not have a universal mission, and the holy war was not a religious duty for them, he's implying, that's why they failed, um, save only for the purposes of defense. But Islam is under obligation to gain power over other nations. That's the end of the quote. In other words, it's not just Jews like me who have something to fear from the Islam built into the hearts of some of the Muslims in our government. It's every one of you. This is Howard the Humongous speaking to you from the future. It's your job and my job to make. Or, <laughs> want to know why? Ask how. 
And now for the sleazy, slimy, insidious, really, really much more difficult than you can imagine, button to find, the off button. I think I found it.